Hello. Happy New Year. So good to see each and every single one of you. And a huge welcome to everyone who's joining us online this morning from whatever town, city or nation. Can we welcome our online family people? Perhaps Joe and Zama, I know you're watching from South Africa. Perhaps this is your year to be here and join us on site in person. I know we Joe and Zama have been joining us for over a year online and they've been pursuing to immigrate to New Zealand. Maybe this is your year. We'll believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. Another family from South Africa. God bless you. And actually to all of the extended South African family, I know many of you join us. Your parts of your family are in our congregation. You are most welcome. Thank you for joining us. If you don't know who I am, my name's Tom Hatch and alongside my bass playing amazing wife, <laughs> we get to lead this church and have done for some time now. And I'm excited to be back in the house of God. Very excited. It was a little weird having to turn the light on to make my coffee this morning because of having to get up a bit earlier than what I have over the last few days. There wasn't too much excitement when Steph asks, who's excited about going back to work this week? <laughs> yeah, we are enjoying our sleep-ins. Well, you know what? As we get underway for this new year, this fresh 2023, <clears throat> I am challenged by a question that I want to challenge you with this morning. And here is the question. How is your vision and what or who will name this year for you? Will you allow your circumstances to cloud your eyes and name it? Or will you allow God? Already, through probably the last two or three months of last year, there have been financiers and business people and everything trying to name 2023. They've been going, this is what it's going to look like. This is what's going to happen. Da, 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 da. And I, you know what? I, I don't know how many of them have talked to God about it. Every year, I um, ask God for a specific word for the year to come. And over the last few years, He has uh, blessed me with giving me the, the word for the, for the coming year, sort of around October, November. And that didn't happen last year. And I was a little perplexed. And uh, if you, if you um, had access to my prayer journal, and you're not going to get access to that... Uh, <laughs> You would see in there many times, many entries in my prayer journals, like, God, God, open my eyes, help me see into the depth of your word and all this. And as, this, as the year ended and January started, I'm going, God, I just want to see where you're wanting me to go. I want to, I want to see where you want the church to go. Open my eyes. And he's going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I go, God, would you let me see? And he's going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, I, and it was probably about uh, a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago, I was praying and asking God this question again, and I suddenly had a, uh-huh. And it was like, that was the key word, God, let me see. And I really believe that the word for 2023, for, for me and for us as a church, and actually I believe for the kingdom of God is see. There are so many layers to this that it cannot be covered in one message, but I'm going to tell you this right now. It is going to pretty much shape every prayer I pray this year. Every time I read the word and every message that I preach this year, my goal, my pursuit this year is by the end of 2023, each and every one of you, both on site and online, are going to be able to see more of God 
in your lives. You're going to be able to see more of God in your own heart. You're going to be able to see more of God when you read the word. That is the absolute cry of my heart. Open our eyes, Lord. And so uh, for this Sunday, next Sunday, we're going to start a two-Sunday mini-series, and it's called this, Because They See. Let's pray before we go any further. Father God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. And Jesus, when you left the earth, when you ascended to heaven, you said, it is better that I go because then the Father will send the helper. Holy Spirit, you have come. You are here. You are God here on earth today. And you are the spirit of revelation and truth. And so right from the get-go, this first Sunday of this new year that we are gathering together, open our eyes, Lord. Open our natural eyes to see your beauty, to behold the wonder of your goodness. Open our, our spiritual eyes to see deeper than we've ever seen before. Lord, transform us, renew us, change us, direct us, have your way in us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Numerous times uh, in the Bible, we read how God changed the name of people or places from what they see to what he sees. Here are four examples. Abram was changed to Abraham. Abram, his name Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of a multitude. Sarai to Sarah, this is Abraham's wife. Sarai means princely, where Sarah means the queen of princes or mother of princes. In both of these situations, they went from the singular to the plural. Then we have Jacob, who was renamed to Israel. Jacob means cheater or deceiver, where Israel means prince and triumphant with God. And it was interesting, and Jacob himself, if you read the story in the Old Testament, when he falls asleep and he has his dream of what we, we colloquially refer to as Jacob's ladder, the ladder, the staircase that went to heaven, he woke up and he said, surely this is the house of God, and I didn't see it. And then we come into the New Testament, and then there's Simon, who was renamed to Peter. Now, Simon means he has heard or to listen. Peter means rock or stone, but it also means the first of those to receive divine insight into who Jesus actually was. Simon heard and listened, but then he saw You know, when God changed Abraham's name to Abraham, he told him that he was going to be not just a a singular, not just an exalted father, but a father of nations, a father of multitudes. He couldn't see it. So God said to him, step out here. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 5, he calls him outside of his tent and he goes, look up. Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That is how many descendants you will have. You know, it wasn't enough for Abraham to just hear it from God. He needed to see it. But he needed to see it with not just his physical eyes. Even more importantly, he needed to see it with his spirit, with his soul, with his mind's eye. And you know what? Although that promise took 25 years before his Isaac was born, 25 years every night, Every night, Abraham looked up. 
And he was reminded of the promise that God gave him. And you, you might think this morning, oh, that's all very well and good. God gave Abraham the stars to look at. Just a show of hands, who has a Bible? There's your stars. Amen. There's your stars. If you can't see what God is showing you, when was the last time you opened the pages of the Word of God? The stars were a constant reminder of God's promise and His faithfulness. You know what? Let's look, at, let's, let's, let's look a little bit deeper here at how Jesus responded to Simon and how he changed his name. So we're looking into Matthew chapter 16 this morning now. 16 verse 18. This is from the message translation. Simon Peter said, okay, so back up a little bit. Uh, Jesus is hanging out with his disciples and there's lots of rumor and lots of sort of question around him. And then he says to the disciples, who do you say that I am? Or who do people say that I am? But who do you say that I am? And this is what Simon Peter's response was. Simon Peter said, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My father in heaven, God himself, let you in on the secret of who I really am. I just want to pause there. I, I've, 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 I've been here. Well, I haven't been there. I would like to have been there. I would have liked to have heard Jesus said that. But I've been there. I've gone, oh, you know, I've gone, oh, that's all very well and good. You know, Jesus literally, Peter literally had you know, Jesus to speak to him. God himself let you in on the secret of who I am. Again, who's got a Bible? <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, don't you? Anyway, carrying on, Jesus says, and now I'm going to tell you who you are. Really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Now, some people, when they read it, they go, oh yeah, Peter was the father of the church and the whole church has been built on Peter. No, the whole church was built on the revelation that Peter had, that Jesus is the Messiah. The whole church is built on the truth and the revelation that Jesus, the Son of God, the, the incarnate deity of God walking on earth as man who came and died on the cross for our sins, who was buried and three days later rose again and he has ascended into heaven and has sent the Holy Spirit. The revelation of who God is, is what the church is built on. Can you see it? Simon, who was renamed Peter, had just seen he had not just, but he had seen Jesus with his natural eyes for nearly three years. But it wasn't until God himself let him in on the secret of who Jesus really was. Until God himself opened Peter's spiritual eyes that he really began to see. I mean, you think about this. You think about the story in the Bible where the disciples are in the boat. And you know, that these guys are professional fishermen, a lot of them. And they are in a storm that is like, it's a serious storm. It's a life-threatening storm. The boat's filling with water. And Jesus is asleep in the boat. They know, that, they know that this guy can do miracles. They've seen him heal the sick, heal blind eyes, open deaf ears. They've seen leprosy disappear when he lays his hand on someone with leprosy. And they wake him up and he stands up and he speaks to the wind and he speaks to the wind. Peace, be still. And what's their response? 
Who is this guy? Who is this guy? When you look at this year, what do you see? Do you see darkness surrounding you? Or do you see the stars piercing the darkness? When you look at everything that's going on, and let, let's just be real, there is stuff going on. I mean, the number of conversations that Suzanne and I have had over the last number of weeks about make sure you lock your truck, don't leave your tools in your truck, don't. Da, da, the amount of thievery that's going on, people's houses being broken into, cars being broken, it's just insane. It's like, this is blending, that should not happen. And so when we look around, do we see the trouble that's surrounding us, or do we actually see the fact that we actually are protected by God? What do you see? Now, this is not glass half full, glass half empty stuff. This is the facts that this is happening, but the truth is that this is who's looking after me. Have you even asked God what this year looks like for you? You know, there's a sobering prophetic call to the Hebrew people, and particularly to the Hebrew priests in the Old Testament. One of the, what, theologically, what is, one of the guys who is referred to as a minor prophet, his name's Hosea. Um, he, by the, by the power of, of God, brings a very sobering prophetic call to the Hebrew priests and to the people. And this is in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. Again, from the message translation, My people are ruined because they don't know what's right or true. I think I read that in the paper just yesterday. No, I didn't. Because you've turned your back on knowledge... I've turned my back on you priests because you refuse to recognize the revelation of God. I'm no longer recognizing your children. Now, I'm, a, I'm a, a, a father and a grandfather. And when I read that last bit, because you refuse to recognize the revelation of God, and God says through the prophet, I no longer recognize your children. That can't happen. That can't happen on my watch. Not as a dad, not as a granddad. That can't happen. It is eternally and generationally vital that we seek to see what the Lord is saying, doing, and revealing. Yeah. Proverbs 29 verse 18. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Have you asked God to reveal this year for you? What do you see? Have you even asked God, what does your year look like? The ability to see, the ability to have vision, is the God-given ability to see both in the visible and the invisible. Now, I almost immediately heard someone go, what? Seeing the invisible? You really do need a coffee. I can't see in the invisible. Every single one of you in this building and every single one of you joining us online can see in the invisible. Amen. You absolutely can. How do I know that? Who knows how to imagine things? <laughs> Who's got a Bible? <laughs> do the two go together? Yes, they do. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, if your eye is unclouded, your whole body will be full of light. Now, because of how old I am, I have to get my eyes tested every two years. 
So I'm already figuring out what color frames I'll have next time. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> it's too far away. <laughs> and no, you can't vote, Amber. And I'm not wearing pink. No, Xavier. I'm not a pink sort of guy. But one of the tests they do is for glaucoma. What does glaucoma do? It fogs your eyesight. Cataracts, fog your eyesight. My dad turns 90 this year. He is an absolute legend. I was, he turns 90 this year. I was talking to him the other day. And I said, how are you doing, Dad? How's your health? He says, oh, pretty good, son. I go for a run about every second week. And I think, I never go for a run. <laughs> but he had cataract surgery uh, in his late 80s. And I said, what's it like, Dad? And he goes, I'm a brand new man. I can see the words on the screen at church. <laughs> I can see the road while I drive. And I was like, dear Lord. <laughs> You were driving. <laughs> but he, said, he literally said, I feel like a brand new man. His eyes were unclouded. Jesus himself said, if your eye is unclouded, your whole body will be full of light. You know what? A God-given superpower is the ability to see from within, to imagine, to see it before you see it. It is said of uh, Michelangelo, the great Italian sculptor, that when he looked at a big chunk or a block of marble, the seller would say to him, it's worthless. And his quote, his quote that he, he's quoted as saying, it's priceless to me, there is an angel locked inside, I must set it free. I mean, how cool is that? What do you see about this year? If, if this year was a block of marble standing in front of you, and after the previous three years, this block of marble, it's like, oh, Lord, another big rock in the way. What do you see inside the marble? Do you see something that by the inspiration and the imagination and the Spirit of God, do you see something in your year that you must unlock? What is it you see? Have you even asked God? Or are you going to let this year name it for you? Are you going to let your circumstances name your day? Are you going to let your circumstances name your life? What is it you see? Will you see what you see sets the direction of your life? And no matter how dark things have been, and I just, Amber had no idea what I was preaching on this morning. I just, just inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I've literally got in my notes, today God can give you a fresh vision and a new future. Who are you going to choose to look at? Who are you going to choose to look at this morning, folks? To get a bit of a deeper understanding, let's join Jesus, who has just finished telling the parable of the farmer who sows seeds. And then, you, know, you know the parable, and some fell on rocky ground, some fell on shallow soil. Okay, that's, that's where we're at. So we're going to now leap in and we're going to join this conversation. Okay, ready? We're now with the disciples and Jesus. Here we go. Matthew 13, 10 through 16. His disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables, get this, for they look, but they don't really 
see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their eyes cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see. And their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. I should have highlighted those last few words. I'll explain in a minute. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Three statements in those previous scriptures lead to people wandering in confusion and anxiety and fear. They've closed their eyes. They refuse to recognize the revelation of God. People can't see what God is doing. You know, over the years of ministry that, uh, that Suzanne and I have been in with the church here, and even prior to that, I have encountered many, many people who have real difficulty. And when I say real, I'm talking about genuinely this is very, very difficult. They have difficulty in seeing anything positive that is ahead of them. They have trouble moving on or getting past or overcoming their past. And no matter how genuine they are, and how much they are encouraged or counseled, they simply cannot get a breakthrough. And I suggest this morning that the reason why is described in those previous scriptures. I suggest that the reason why people don't get a breakthrough is because their, the hearts of the people are hardened through their fear, through their pain, through their anxiety, through their doubt. And because their hearts are hardened in that genuine, that, I mean, let's, let's, let's be real. The pain is real. The circumstances are real and they've actually happened. They've actually happened. Okay, so let's not minimize that. Let's not disqualify that or throw that out. It's actually happened. But in that, their hearts have hardened. And because their hearts have hardened, they've shut their eyes. And because they've shut their eyes, they're refusing to recognize any revelation from God. And therefore, they can't see what God is doing, and therefore, they remain stuck. So how does that change? Well, we've got to allow the grace of God, the healing of God, the forgiveness of God, the truth and the love and the mercy of God to begin to soften our hearts again. We need to choose to open our eyes. We need to choose to look into the Word of God to capture a revelation from God we need to choose to pursue to see the things that God is doing. You know, the, the world is full of people, both believers and non-believers, who will readily accept and even comprehend the idea of a savior or a higher power, if you like. And they say, yes, yes, this higher power is for me, is with me, is ahead of me. But you know what? With Jesus, oh my word, with Jesus is so much better than that. When we genuinely, and I mean when I say that, I mean utterly and fully honor and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I say it like that because you may have heard this phrase. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. But when we genuinely honor and accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior, the Bible teaches us that Christ is not just for me, and he's not just with me, and he's not just ahead of me, but by his Holy Spirit, he is in me. He lives 
in me. Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. No other religion, no other religion makes this claim. No other faith movement on the face of the planet describes the living presence of the founder or the source of that faith living within the followers of that faith except Jesus Christ in the Christian faith. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 from the Passion Translation says this, Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. All other religions expect and require external things. They are supposed to lead to internal change of peace and hope. Dress this way, worship in this place, or worship in this manner, eat this food, behave this way, wash this many times and in this manner. Did you know what? That was even in the Jewish faith. If you read the Gospels, you'll find that there's a place where Jesus is challenged by the disciples of the Pharisees going, why don't your disciples wash like we do? And he says to them, well, actually, you're clean on the outside, but you're filthy on the inside. Let's remember, actually, again, you know, all of these other religions, you know what, I reckon, oh, I don't have any kind of grand doctoral thesis on this, but I reckon there are so many faiths and so many religions around the world because the Bible teaches us that God has put eternity in the hearts of mankind. And I think there is an eternal pursuit of trying to regain or trying to find again the spiritual connection that the creation had with the creator at the beginning of time. And so these people who pursue these faiths, they're genuine. They're doing it with all their heart and soul. But... They're expecting external behaviors to change their inside. You know what? External behaviors just change external habits. But a Christ within doesn't just change habits, changes character. Change of character is an inside job. And with Jesus, we are changed from the inside out. And you know what? Guess what? External changes will happen, but those external changes are changes that will last because the internal change has taken place. What did that Psalm 29 say? When they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. What does that mean? To listen carefully, to watch closely, and see, to focus and concentrate, to pay attention to and keep your eye on, to apply your mind to, to put into practice Psalm 139 verse 14, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Ephesians 2.10, God created you on purpose for a purpose. Can you see it? Growing in your connection with God will enable you to grow in your confidence in what you see that he says about you. Your past, your present, your future, all of those. I just want to... Just let this blow your mind right at the beginning of the year. Your past, your present, and your future self have already been forgiven by what Jesus did on the cross. You've already been forgiven by what Jesus did on the cross. Can you see that? 
Will you believe that? Will you receive that this morning? Psalm 16 verse 11, this is what it says. The psalmist said of God, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasure of living with you forever. Can you see that? You will show me the way of life. Have you even asked God that? Where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? Let him show you. Okay, I'm going to give you a bit of application as we close this out. What do you see? Here's application point number one. Make a list and ask. Make a list of all the things that you see. Everything that surrounds you. I mean, be brutally honest. Focus on, just even pause. You may need to get away. You may need to get a journal. You may need to, I don't know, use your iPad, use your phone, whatever. Create a list, use your to-do list, whatever. Whatever app you choose to use. But make a list of the things that you see and then ask these four questions. Is it rational or irrational? Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it my responsibility to change or fix? I have put these four questions into practice in my own life. And they have helped me so much. Particularly number four. Is it my responsibility to change or fix? <laughs> oh my goodness, I just want to fix things. <laughs> and you know what? When it's actually not my responsibility, all I do is I wear myself out. Here's the second thing. Here's your second bit of application. When you've made your list and you've checked it twice, have you been naughty? Oh no, wrong season. Um, you know, when you've made your list and you've gone through these questions and you've given honest answers to these things, and I mean, come on, let's, you've got to be honest, eh? You can't just kind of do this flippantly and go, ah, nah, ah, nah. No, you actually got to be real. Is it rational or irrational? What do, what do I mean by that? If you, look at, if you look at a situation around your life and you look and you begin to see your response to that situation, the question is, is my response rational or is it ir- irrational? Honestly, is it really that big a deal? You know, someone rocks up at work and they're just like in a foul, foul, foul mood and you think, wow, what happened to them? And it turns out that they didn't make, they, they didn't make it to the roundabout before they had to wait for 30 seconds. Newsflash, I've just heard that there's another two roundabouts about to be built in Blenheim. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't want to kill the morning right there. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, is, that, is your response rational or irrational? Is it true? Is, is what you're seeing, is, it what, is what you're seeing about yourself or what you're seeing about that situation, is it true? And what you see, is it helpful? If it's not helpful, then something needs to change. Okay, here's the number two. Learn to be in the moment. You know, I, I, those who know me, I can, I can be pretty spontaneous. I can do things or not really quickly. But when it comes to the bigger things, I'm a bit of a planner. And if I'm not careful in my planning, (laughs) I'm not going to look because I might see too many people nodding. (laughs) Especially the front row. Yeah, that's right. Three of my staff are sitting on the front row. Oh, no. But if if I'm not careful, I find myself planning the next thing while I'm still trying to do the current thing. 
Or, just a, just a little bit of confession, when I'm in a conversation with someone, <laughs> I'm already figuring out how I'm going to respond before the person I'm supposed to be listening to has finished talking. I'm sorry, darling. <laughs> Well, we've got to learn to be in the moment. You know, if I, when I plan to do the next thing and I haven't even finished doing the current thing, what it does is it steals the present moment. And although being focused is a good thing, I can also get so focused in my plan and my work that I fail to find the joy and fail to see what's happening in the moment. I saw this picture and I wished I'd found it, but I didn't find it for my slides. And it was a picture of an air show. Why did I find a picture of an air show? But right there in this, but you know what? There wasn't a single airplane in this picture. But what it was, it was a picture of the crowd. And out of the whole crowd, there was one person, only one person that wasn't holding up a phone to video it. They were just like this. Every other person had a phone and they were looking at their screen like this. How to steal the joy of the moment. And you know what else I found? That there is growth available in every single moment. Now, if you're facing something difficult, the question to ask is this. What has this come for me to learn? What, what, what's the lesson for me to learn in this? What's the moment? Is there something for me to learn? Or is there just a bullet for me to dodge? I don't know. <laughs> you know? Make a list and ask those questions. Learn to be in the moment. And as you journey with God, worship team, would you come please? As you journey with God this year, I have a prayer that I want to pray over you. It's a prayer that I'm making a prayer for my year, but it's a prayer that I want to pray over you. And this prayer is made up of two Bible verses. Or actually, no, a number of, about five Bible verses. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 23 and then Luke chapter 24, verse 45, and it says this, I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of His calling, that is, the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that He finds in us, His holy ones. Then He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. I'm praying that this year that you will begin to see like you've never seen before. My prayer, my dream, my desire, my pursuit, my passion, my purpose this year is to, as, a, as your pastor, is to preach, to teach, to lead, to conversate and have coffees with you to help you see what God has got for you. What God is calling you to do. What God is created you to do if, if I can have an epitaph carved into my headstone and I'm not planning on that anytime soon but it would be this he helped me see what will you see in 2023 open our eyes Lord